your manger dogs. Swab the decks and hoist the sails. The guns on board be needing some proper madam. Pieces of eight and a fine wench on your arm. If you work, be not too shoddy. Careful not to flounder too badly, though, or you may have to dance the hemp and jig as we see you to Davy Jones. The Jeffy, my boy, on with the show. Welcome, everybody, friends, folks, foes, and fellow pirate mateys to this week's latest installment of our Friday night feature edition Pirate Radio Podcast. It's episode 203. We're taking uh, time this go-round to reflect on the life, musical career, and all-too-untimely death of former Beatle John Lennon. I am your host, as always, the Robin Hood's Chief Communications Officer, Jaffe Ryder. First go-round, we had a bit of a, a technical glitch and snafu, but yes, it looks like things are off and uh, sailing just in the exact sort of capacity we would like to to have things so that's really good to see great you could join us hope that you if not Beatles fans uh, at least have a few things to say Lennon himself of course a controversial figure in some people's eyes um, in many others just a great musician who had a lot to say, and when it comes to people's music, of course, you can read into it, whatever you care to. We have got on board here this go-round Reverend Jim, Jim Callis, out of Washington State, USA, down in Los Angeles, Pirate Larry, and via the great Midwest Plains, state of Kansas, Princess Jaybird Wells. So, remind, uh, important to remind everyone, of course, to check out WPRPN. Sign up is free. If you have any problems, let us know. Our email is pirate1radio at protonmail.com. That works uh, if you have any PayPal donations as well, too. Let's not forget, uh, it also helps if you want to contact us in that manner to suggest either show or guest ideas. We're always on the hunt for quality content, of course. Uh, this go-round, we had a guest booked. Uh, in the end, not sure what happened, whether he just flaked out or maybe there was a family emergency and was unable to contact us. But yeah, either way, we do like to hear from people when we do have them on board, and they have given us their word, showing an interest uh, in dropping by. It just leaves you scrambling when at the last minute you're expected to improvise and put something else together together. 
Um, so Corbin, if you're out there listening, you're welcome to drop in. And uh, as a fellow musician as well, too, presumably might have a thing or two to say about the late, great John Lennon. Um, lots of things people can do, of course. Take a look at the, the show description links we have available via YouTube. That'll take you off in all sorts of different directions, hopefully not lead you on too much of a wild goose chase. If you want to call the show directly here, you can via Skype, Pirate One Radio at gmail.com is how you do it, Pirate One Radio at gmail.com. We'll happily take your questions, comments, whatever it is that you have to deliver and uh, give you a chance to uh, reach a, a wider audience and perhaps you might normally do. So there we go. But yes, uh, the stars are with all their crazy and chaotic alignment hopefully going to work out rather well this week given the fact that uh, myself and I think a couple people we have on board here with this little improvised mini round table uh, I think a few of them are either Beatles or John Lennon fans or both but uh, I guess we might as well just open things up as we take a look at the YouTube end of things we got nearly 10 people uh, managing to make their way into the, the chat area, although n not everybody is, is logged in either. That's typically how the, the, the case is. Uh, if you don't have a YouTube or Google account uh, and email that you're able to do so with, then by all means, it only takes a couple minutes and it's a great way of connecting with people all around the world, folks that you would not necessarily normally ever have come into contact with. And I know that we're having a great time here forming a, a small virtual community uh, via WPRPN, World Pirate Radio Podcast Network, the People's Pirate Network, and the flagship that we have in place here, Pirate Radio Podcasts, the, the Robin Hood, of course, is what we sail out upon these high digital, all too intrepid waters with each and every week. We missed this past Tuesday uh, just once again because of the transition that was in our midst as far as working and getting the technical end of things more in place here with Windows in particular had to be brought on board one of our machines. And uh, there's a lot that goes into that as far as configuration of platforms and software and all various programs and the like. So really had our hands full. But yeah, great you could make it. We are looking forward to this. Uh, once again, if you do have any thoughts, comments, questions regarding Lennon, either leave them with us via the YouTube chat area or call in pirate one radio at gmail.com is, is the way that you're able to contact us. Just looking at the quote right now, the really famous quote that got John into so much hot water 
more popular than Jesus uh, controversy. You know, I did come across the actual context to which he presented that. It really was quite something. I believe, I'm not sure, Larry, if you know anything about this or maybe Jim, but supposedly he had said that essentially Christianity was on the way out. It, um, or maybe churchianity would be another way of putting things. Uh, that was his thought. That was his, his view of things and take uh, on the world at the time. You know, clearly, well, I don't know if, if anyone has anything to say about that. You know, Larry, you, you probably remember being a, a young I, teenager. I do remember. Sure. Let's I hear Let's remember. hear about that. Well, I think he said it kind of offhand. Like, God, we're more popular than Jesus, you know? Like an exclamation. And, uh, of course, they were surrounded by reporters, and they all grabbed onto it and it became a huge controversy. And then he started to defend it by saying, well, you know, the churches are decreasing in popularity, and we're increasing, and that just made the churches matter. So they... Uh, Burn Beatle records. They started burning Beatle records. And uh, in the South, in Alabama, um, you know, some of the more Baptist uh, states, red states, they, they uh, kind of had these rallies where they'd burn Beatle albums because they were mad at John Lennon. And Lennon uh, later became, you know, uh, uh, an atheist, you know, uh, he might have been an agnostic, but but really his music um, pointed to atheism, you know. Imagine there's no heaven, <laughs> you know, and uh, God is a concept by which we measure our pain. I love that line, <laughs> and it's uh, very true in a lot of circumstances. It's not always true in all circumstances, but. In many circumstances, it is true that, you know, God is used to measure, you know, the pain we go through. Um, uh, God is also, you know, kind of used as a, a wish book. I mean, people try to control God to get to get their own way, which I, I always laugh at. But, um, yeah, I mean, people... I think they took it out of context. The Beatles were young. They, you know, they were from a working class neighborhood. They'd never seen anything like that. The crowds that were coming, the girls that were screaming, and uh, they, you know, it was just a, a comment like, "Wow, we're more popular than Jesus." And then, you know, the press just glommed onto it, and it was like hate the Beatles for a while, but. Um, I think people like their music. They like to listen to John Lennon. He had a lot to say, whether he was an atheist or not. You know, he still had a lot to say. Sure. Did you ever get a chance to see him or any of the other living Beatles? I saw before? Paul McCartney in concert. Yeah? When was that? Uh, that was like... It had to be, you know, uh, late 90s. Yeah, this is late 90s. Uh-huh. How was the show? Was like the Del Mar Fair. He put on the best show. He just loves getting on stage. He loves the music. He loves to perform. 
loves the audience. I mean, you can really feel it. Paul is like a true blue musician, just can't put it down, you know, just loves to do it. You're not one of these fall uh, believers, are you? The what? Oh, no. <laughs> the fake Paul that he was replaced yeah. back in, was it 1966? But I know that Elvis was spotted a couple times. <laughs> yeah. Well, they actually, they met Elvis on one occasion and one time yeah, only. Did. Yeah. There was a lot of jamming that was, that ended up, uh, you know, taking place. Although at first when they came in, they just were so so taken aback that all they did was was sit or stand there and and stare at him without saying anything he and to, to the point where he said well look guys if we're not gonna you know you know do anything here have a conversation or at least you know maybe jam a little bit i might as well just go to bed right. <laughs> and uh and that's what they ended been... up doing was jam and then somebody one of the beatles said you know jam somebody say jam you know and that's when they all got mm -hmm. into it and and paul was really impressed with his uh elvis was sitting there on the couch playing bass to the, uh. the mohair sam was the song that uh charlie rich actually made oh, yeah. famous. it's a really cool tune if anyone gets a chance to check out mohair sam at uh he was there just, just think about him playing like the bass line to the uh that tune really cool go ahead uh princess you're gonna jump in there and say something Oh, I'm, I'm just amazed. I've been looking at his Wikipedia page, and, and I'm just amazed at how much he did in life. Yeah, um, hugely prolific. I don't think I ever looked it up, but, I mean, he was in uh, documentaries. He, he was a producer, a director, a writer. Um, I, I'm just amazed. 40... 40 long years, I guess, in some ways, although really clearly cut down right in his prime, just as Double Fantasy had uh, made it out to the public and was was climbing in the charts. And it is, if anyone gets a chance, if they haven't heard the album, by all means, definitely check it out. It's really, it's just, a, it's uh, quite a way to go. You know, he really, uh, he really knocked it out of the park there. Most definitely. So, yeah, uh, it's a really great album. And uh, who knows? After we wrap up, I might even just I might go and listen to the whole thing straight through, uh, right from right from the get go. But I I, I don't know about uh, where where were you? Uh, where I mean, do you, do you want to get into the whole business of his his murder and really ass assassination is what it came down to. I think in many ways that there was perhaps a, a hidden hand that this uh, Chapman character, if you look at him, he is so spaced he's out. Killed. Yeah, he's in character for sure. Well, do you know the story about the doorman at the Dakota, Jose Perdor Perdormo? No, it's fuzzy. It's fuzzy. You've never heard the, what what's going on with him and his... What him and Chapman were up to on the day of the of the murder? Apparently. Oh no, I didn't. I didn't hear that. No. They were outside. Per Perdomo apparently just so happened to be uh, part of the Bay of Pigs operation. And uh, look up Operation Forty, folks. Operation Forty, and isn't that something that John Lennon 
with his life being cut so short as it was, was 40 yeah. years of age. Um, but Perdormo, yeah, really quite... Oh, yeah, if he's something. a big pig's Cuban, that was a whole CIA operation. There's a dead giveaway right there. Yeah, so um, we could maybe share that, that link with, with people out there in the audience, of course. Leave it as part of the, the show notes. But they, the two of them, Chapman and uh, the Dorman Perdormo, hard to pronounce, that they had been talking because Chapman had been hanging around the Dakota pretty much all day. And um, yeah. the, he was talking, they were talking about the Kennedy assassination and the Bay of Pigs, I guess. That's what was on, that was the discussion. Uh the focus for the day, you know. So that's that's that's. And didn't Chapman that get John Lennon's autograph just the day before? Well, it was either yeah. That that's that's right. Yeah, I guess it would have been the evening before, perhaps. That's it sounds about about right. Yeah, and there's a picture we got it in the slideshow. There was uh, uh, gosh, I wish I could remember the name of the the fellow who t took the picture. Um, there are pictures of him and Lennon taken together, the photographer. Um, but it's just a really, really famous photo, of course. So we've, it's part of a slideshow that a, actually a good friend of ours put together as part of a musical video tribute and a song that he wrote. Johnny Canuck, actually, is who we're talking about here. And uh, he has got this song that we're going to play later we're going to cue it up we would have loved to have played more beatles or lennon music but of course most people know how how uh youtube is with those things that they immediately shut oh, you yeah. down demonetize, oh, yeah. or or just if it's a if it's a bob dylan song uh sony and i'm not sure who's more responsible if it's sony or bob himself uh oh, yeah. they, they have it banned oh, yeah. worldwide you're shut down yeah. so nobody can see your video at all just because you played one of his songs, you know, but most yeah. others will just demonetize, have it so that you're demonetized. But uh, count your age by friends, not by years. Count your life by smiles, not tears. John Lennon apparently did say that, yeah. supposedly. Yeah. I don't know, where, where's that from? Is that one of his songs? I'm, I'm, I don't no, know. it's just a little poem he wrote. Huh. And there are a lot of, like, Amazing lyrics that he did. I mean, he was an amazing lyricist. Uh, one of the most honest, uh, you know, talents out there as far as opening up his himself, his, his, you know, path to uh, enlightenment and and back down from the mountain, you know, back down from the magical mystery tour, uh, wiping out every kind of ego that you know, he had, um, so it just became his pure self. And uh, I think he was able to show the world that before, you know, they uh, they assassinated him. I'd, I'd love to see where he'd be at now, but I'm kind of afraid he'd be on the side of Antipa and, uh, you know, the uh, rioters. <laughs> yeah, that was something I was thinking about myself, actually. I really wonder. Although, you know, that was 40 years ago, and um, he would have been right out there continuing to protest on the front lines. I can, 
I'm uh, quite confident. Oh, yeah. This is a lot of people talked about this with the Reagan administration and uh, nuclear nuclear weapons. Yeah, know, with uh, with the Cold War with with Russia, and of course, let's not forget the FBI. I mean, there's a he had a pretty pretty uh, uh, lengthy dossier. Considerable. Yeah, uh, yeah. J. Edgar didn't J. Edgar Hoover didn't like the Beatles all that much. No, I wouldn't think so. No, not. He cool. thought they were communists. Yeah, good old uh, f f faggy Freemason yeah. cross dressing. Uh, Hoover, what a freak yeah, that guy was! Jesus. Yeah, no wonder Comey doesn't think he's so bad. <laughs> yeah, well, compared to Hoover, absolutely compared sure. Oh, well, and, and you know he was just so corrupt too. Uh, we don't want to get too sidetracked, but the money, the public funds that he absconded with—I think that's the right word—just uh, made yeah. use of with renovations around his house and. And yeah. uh, interior, exterior, just as that was just one of the things that is well documented. And then, of course, his mob connections to the point where he had no idea that there was a mafia for the longest time. For some reason, he just had mm. no concept. <laughs> you know, he had blackmail on every politician in Washington, but as far as the, oh, the yeah. other <laughs> other forms of organized crime, it just didn't seem to uh, to click with him. So uh, and and there is a lot of speculation talk uh, that that uh, Hoover there was the the mob had blackmail material on Hoover himself. Oh yeah, which was uh, you know just in this in the photographs is what we'd be talking about where he was uh, right. performing certain underground sexual yeah. acts. Whatever, yeah, yeah. So there we go. But enough of enough of that uh, creepy old toad or well i mean turd. you compare that guy to john lennon who's like his life was an open book i mean j edgar his life was like you know secret buried you know in the closet it's, it's, to, to rob people you know. of their freedoms and liberties too you can't do that why well because i said so i'm not going to let you or if you do uh, we're, i'm going to punish you why because i am the state you know, so I'm sorry, Larry. I had yeah. I'm so sorry. Go no, ahead. No, no, you're right. You're right. It's really it's life hurts. Pass it on. You know, that's that's what they do. I'm sorry. Who, who passes what? Life on? hurts. Pass it on. You know, that's what they do. But but they get to this place where J. Edgar Hoover was, where he was corrupt. I mean, he had a secret life. But he, as you said, he had the goods on on congressmen, senators, uh, you know, uh, uh, district attorneys, uh, you know, anybody that was anybody. He he dug dirt up on them, and he he kept files on them, and they had to vote his way. Yeah, he was he was one tough bird that one. Right. And compared to John Lennon. You know, Lennon was an angel. It's like they they assassinated the wrong people. I you know I don't like anything that's violent, but you know, given the nature of you know the way things are, they're just doing it all wrong, Jaffe. <laughs> right. So, has anyone heard much about the 80th birthday uh, 
commemorations or uh, celebrations. I looked into it a little bit before we went live yeah. here, and because of, of course, Corona, uh, right. you know, things are are right. taking a more uh, more virtual uh, oh, sort yeah. of shape, unfortunately. But uh, there's Yoko's a, doing something. Yoko's doing. Well, she's not in the best of health right now. I. I'm not yeah. sure if you're aware of that or not, but she's, of course, she was John Sr. by what, about seven years? You know, at least, you know, almost 10, not quite. Yeah. And he did, let's not forget, refer to her as mother. Um, and he yeah. lost his mother at a very young age. So yeah. that is something to take into consideration. Um, yeah. You know, and I'm not, you know, I'm kind of, I'm on the fence with with Yoko, as a lot of people are, to be quite honest. And that, uh, you know, she did. There's a lot of things that happened. Well, first of all, you got to look at her history, where she came from. She was pretty much like Japanese royalty. Sumitomo Bank. Yeah. Sumitomo Bank. What was the and, name of the bank? Sumitomo. And their her family ran the bank. They the, owned it. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. that's... And then Linda McCartney was Linda Eastman Kodak. Right, well, that was that was a happy... I think they were a little... See, John was actually... What reports that I've come across, actually, during the last sessions that he did during that period in time is that uh, he was in the midst of dumping her once again, kind of a separation. And let's not forget, the first time they were apart, speak of the devil, there she is, popping up on the slideshow, uh, that they, she hand-selected May Pang right. to be John's girlfriend, and a lot of people think that's mostly so that, you know, she would have somebody to basically keep an eye on John who would report back to her on... They both did heroin together, May Pang and uh, John. Oh, I didn't know she, they did that, but she they... Was, she wasn't good for him. May Pang? I don't know. May Pang did smack. Are you serious? Come on. Yeah, that's what that's what I've seen. And then he, he would go back to Yoko to try to get clean, to try to clean up his act and be a father. Well, hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So he he was into smack, though, before. Oh, before her. Yeah. Yeah, sure. definitely. He, he might have gotten her into smack, but we were Probably. in the West Coast you know, sure. doing smack. That's what I, that's, that makes a little more sense. And, uh, you know, they saw a UFO together too. Let's not forget. I think it was a Walls and Bridges album. There's even some mention of that on the, on the back cover. Uh, mm. uh, really quite something with that whole experience. 1975, I believe it was. He went, he talked about it. People can see, check out, uh, there's a picture right now. We're looking at the famous autograph, uh, you know that that uh, he signed there for his soon-to-be assassin, Mark David Chapman. That'll be coming up in the slideshow in just a moment or two with folks. So, uh, but yeah, the whole lost weekend business. You know, five five long years, I guess. Uh, quite a haze. Uh, but a, a lot of people talk about that end of things, but he, he was very productive as well too, is what folks don't realize. He was, he was writing a lot of songs. He wasn't just going out and boozing it up all the time with, uh, 
the, his good drinking buddy, Harry, Harry Nielsen, who a lot of people have talked about being, you know, there's been a lot of mention regarding who is the fifth Beatle, right? So uh, that's, that's one candidate, Harry Nielsen. There's some collaboration that took place between the two of them uh, over the time they spent together. So uh, I think he ended up drinking himself to death probably not too long after after John was, was killed, actually. So, uh, but yeah, let's take a look at the comments section here. We see what people are getting into. I don't know if you, has anyone seen much relating directly to John, the history of the Beatles, of course, this, uh, the whole business of fall and so forth. Let's give a shout out here, though, to On the Fence with... Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Um, I was looking up um, 80 birthday celebrations. Uh, I found something that said uh, Tame Impala or Tommy Impala's Kevin Parker commemorates John Lennon's birthday with an acoustic cover. And if you go to the Instagram post, there's like 170,000 312 likes on on the him sitting down and playing the guitar on his bed. He looks like John Lennon. Oh, right on. You know, Willie Nelson and his sons did a great cover version of Watching the Wheels Go Around. We might have the link here. We can make available to folks. We'll see if we can. I thought, yeah, there it is. So we will uh, share this with our audience momentarily. Uh, yeah, that's the sort of thing that I guess that can happen. That's, that's, that's right. So, you know, with social media, you know, it's one of the things I was thinking about. It's like a double-edged sword, basically, frankly. And that's, we've looked at, you know, and weighed our options. The implications of, you know, being out there for the public. And that's what John was, as Larry was getting at it, with his life being pretty much an open book um there were some things which are a little lesser known as far as the private life uh, that he and yoko shared during their time at the dakota most definitely but this is one of the risks that you run uh, and that you have to contend with whether it's your your the world's biggest rock star or just somebody in social media that when you put yourself out there so that there is, you know, and, and uh, there's just too many crazy people, frankly, that uh, whether they're trolls or they have mental issues, um, it's yep. like, what's the point? Uh, so, and that's the thing is, there's even some speculation that Lennon sold his soul for his fame. Um, there's, a, there's a whole book on that business and uh with alleged quotes and the like um so who really knows what the truth of the matter is there exactly there's some really weird synchronicity with the beatles though as well too with numerology number nine number nine number nine and uh you know things like that so um I don't know what to say other than congratulations to the the young fellow musician. I'm presuming he's, he's I'm not sure how old he is, 
but uh, the cover version of what what tune was it? I, like I said, Willie and his 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 boys covered "Watching the Wheels Go Round," and it is really, you know, really great. There's, it's this impromptu uh, uh, interpretation of the song, and really well done. But uh, what was the song that they that this other musician character covered sitting there? in his uh, on on his bed with uh you know he's managed to pick up all that traction is it like imagine or or what are we talking about exactly did we lose princess jaybird wells maybe she doesn't know no i i don't know i'm sorry okay well keep scouring around keep keep looking to see what uh you can come up with as far as as far as stories are concerned or any items of interest we're going to share that link right now to the yeah, I sent you the link okay well you know share it in in the youtube chat is is another way of doing things so um we've we've got the the other one there of course and encourage everyone else to to contribute likewise if if they come across anything of uh of of note or interest but uh where were people uh i mean hey listen we haven't heard too much from reverend jim were you a fan at all jim do you continue to be a fan to this day did your parents cover any beatles song obla di obla da <laughs> you know life goes oh, on so i don't i don't know that my dad I don't think they might have. Well, they might have played one or two Beatles songs, but that that'd be about it. Um, but yeah, I liked the Beatles growing up. I had I had older brothers and sisters, and so yeah, and we watched the Beatles cartoon on Saturday and all that good stuff. I mean, do you remember the Beatles cartoon? It's funny you should mention that. Uh, I've just recently downloaded pretty much everything I could get my hands on uh, via archive.org. I would encourage everyone who is a supporter of open-sourced uh, technology, uh, content, and the like to drop by archive.org. You never know when these things are just going to go away. But uh, they've got a lot of, of great material over there. And radio shows that are put together largely out of the Berkeley, San Francisco Bay area. And uh, I could actually get a hold of the link to where a lot of the, the material I recently came across uh, where, where that was originated from. But uh, maybe not right now exactly. It, um, uh, yeah, it's funny you should ask because I just, I just, I haven't taken a look and, and watched, uh, the cartoons to this point. I'm looking forward to it. And it, yeah, they were, they were out there as a kid, weren't they? Even though, see, I was living up in the central interior of British Columbia at the time growing up. We, we only had, we had one channel. 
which was, I think, CBC. And this is as a kid of, what, seven years old, up to about seven, maybe ten or something like that. And uh, then we got a second channel, CTV, which was more like Toronto, Vancouver content. And uh, so this is that's really quite interesting as far as the you know, it's relatively primitive compared to what was happening down the States at that time. We're talking the mid to late 70s. Early 80s, we made a move out of town. My dad, uh, who's a denturist, we got a, a bigger house, actually. Nice place out of town, just a few miles out in the country. A lot of room to roam with dirt bikes and all that sort of thing. I had to save up to buy the dirt bikes. It wasn't like they were just given to us. You know, we had to uh, had to had to buck wood and head out with our our wagons and roam the ditches for bottles, as well as going and knocking as many neighbors' doors as we could manage to uh, to save up for the the dirt bike. But we're talking 1980. This is around the time I would have been. 10 or actually was it 11 10 or 11 at that particular time and uh we had a satellite dish is what came on board there that was just right at the time satellite dishes were making their way into the public sphere and they're not like they are now they, these are like pretty fair sized ones of course so we <laughs> mounted out in the backyard and that opened us up helped us to become exposed to a whole new world of just utter insanity really seeing the larger picture to what was actually taking place out in the wider you know sphere of things so uh that's probably where we first as i recall had some exposure to the the beatles cartoons and and mtv that was during the just the early days origins and start of MTV much music and it was just a great time to to be alive and have a chance to um experience all the great music that w was was coming to us during that period you know so uh but the beatles the death of death of lennon in particular yeah december 1980 uh i had been a fan for number of years already pretty sure about that you know when we were kids we had these we made these improvised little uh guitars if you want to call them that they were rulers like that you use as an elementary school kid to measure things <laughs> uh and uh rulers with elastic bands on them so but we also made little kind of guitar body cutouts uh, that we that we glued onto the back, and uh, it was great, you know, just just uh, around that 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 period in time. And I was already writing songs, actually, so uh, quite interested in the whole thing with Beatles, the Beatles and Elvis, and then even later, within the next few years, Bob Dylan, that uh, you know, his music really managed to resonate with me in a big way um i guess just because he was so much different from what was out in the mainstream at that particular time and he was a really 
uh, accomplished songwriter. Say what you want of the guy's uh, singing voice, uh, which I do believe he's he's a very capable singer. Um, he's got his own unique way of of doing things, but he knows how to carry a tune. It's not like he's singing flat or anything like that. Uh, you know, I have hardly ever heard him hit a, a bad note. So it's just that he's got his own particular unique style and, and manner of, of voicing, as far as I can tell. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I remember lying up, being awake in bed the night that the news came across uh, CBC Radio, because even to this day, I still quite often will go to bed with things like podcasts and the like on rotation. So uh, it's <laughs> it's it's a habit that I got onto quite early. A lot of old time radio shows that the Shadow, and I think that's what it was called. It was called the CBS Mystery Hour or uh, something along those lines. They'd have these suspense type you know half hour hour thrillers that uh were were put out there for people's listening pleasure and interest but uh it was yeah it was quite a shock and you know just one of those things like with the kennedy assassination and it just it hit me and, and it's uh, stuck with me to this day Obviously, that's something that I will never forget about, frankly. And I don't see any reason why why I should. Similar to, you know, the passing of, although it wasn't quite as, quite as awful, uh, George Harrison, you know, when he died. Ken Kesey was another big one. Although, I had the chance to actually meet Ken, if you want to call it that. Back in 1999, out in Edinburgh, it was the Fringe Festival. I just happened to be touring through the city and uh, managed to land a chance opportunity to ride on the pranksters. Well, what would they call it? I guess it was it was further was the name of the bus, of course. So that was a bit of a fluke. Uh, but Kesey himself, yeah, proved very aloof and elusive not almost like a J.D. Salinger type character in some ways, not overly, uh, well, depending on who he was, he was dealing with, I suppose, overly uh, friendly or, or personable. But I don't know. This, this is the thing is like, we're all here to go. And the fact is that we can never truly say when or how, under what sort of circumstances, that's going to be whether it's a car crash or or a plane going down maybe a heart attack it could be a sudden onset of a really awful disease uh, it's just really hard to say of course but the fact is i don't know with lenin himself this the legacy that he left uh we went to school my my the teacher that we had, and I think I was in about grade six or seven. I I guess it was it was one of the two seven. Uh, out uh, we had this little kind of elementary school out in the country. 
that we attended. Our teacher was she was kind of hip though, and uh, kind of a cutie too. Uh, it was nice, refreshing to to have her work with us. She was out of uh, Toronto, as a matter of fact, so she was really traumatized by the whole business of of John's passing, and she was good enough to actually because we did have a, a musical portion to the lessons that we uh that we partook in shall we say or that were presented to us part of the uh, uh part of the, the program i suppose the itinerary they had uh they had produced and wanted us to to be exposed to but she herself just freely chose Beatles music I'm not sure if we'd been listening to Beatles music up to that point or not <clears throat> may have been like a little of that perhaps Cat Stevens uh what have you mostly though it was all about musical appreciation that's what we were there to do frankly so uh that was really great both the from the standpoint of melody as well as the lyrics and uh with Lennon's death yeah I think we might have had a couple lessons where we took a pretty close look at double fantasy things like watching the wheels go around uh beautiful 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 boy you know there's a I think uh it's called you know darling Sean beautiful boy and uh <clears throat> I'd have to take a look at the track list actually to see uh, what was actually a part of the album. Does anyone else remember the the what was available as far as the songs on Double Fantasy were concerned? There was bloody hell. There were some real great tunes, though. But yeah, Watching the Wheels, definitely remember that. We, we covered, It's going all the way back to uh, grade 7. And apologies, too. People can maybe hear my voice becoming a little strained. Uh don't know what exactly it was or, or why this I thought be. it sounded good well, yeah well, I got a bit of a cold coming down with a bit of a cold is, is what the deal is here so I'm just like a bit of a uh, frog in my throat is what it, it, it feels like so a little a little horse uh, <laughs> so not not quite a pony but a little horse and uh, yeah that was good oh geez, you gotta love those puns huh <laughs> Those are the worst kind of jokes. <laughs> you're, you're not a stand-up comedy, which is, trust me, I, I am not. I would love to be, but it's just, I just don't have the, uh, <clears throat> just don't have that skill, unfortunately. Speaking of which, Lennon himself. Let's look at this this guy, because I mean, he was a card. He was just a, you know, he was a real wit, and someone who was just so bright, so sharp, and had so much to offer. And he did give a lot, of course, as do. Most artists, they give a lot of themselves, whether people stop to appreciate that or not. Um, I don't know. In some ways, I guess you could say it cost him his life, made him a target for this whole, uh, what I really think in so many ways. I think old man Bush, actually, Skull and Bones, Bush 41, could quite have easily had a hand in things. I mean, just look at... Uh, Look at the Reagan assassination attempt, which I think that took place the next year. So, you know, maybe they'd, they'd road tested this, this Manchurian uh, 
this Manchurian mind-controlled uh, assassin business already. Of course, it can be done. Darren Brown has proven this quite clearly for the whole world to see. Anyone who's taken the time to check out, he's a magician, British magician, and hypnotist. And uh, that's exactly what he did. People check out Darren Brown, the assassin, I think is what it's called, Manchurian Candidate Assassin episode. That's another item, uh, which maybe a princess you can track down there from your end, perhaps. Share it with folks in the listening audience out on YouTube, or I don't know if Jim would what have the it? time. Darren Brown. Darren, what was it you wanted? Yeah, Darren, Darren Brown, Brown, the assassin, I think is what it's called. And it's just one of his the episodes. He's a mentalist and uh, a hypnotist, as along with he does a lot of other card magic and that whole business too. So, very, uh, very accomplished talent, of course. So, but it, yeah, to to show that you know people wonder, gee, can this really be done? Well, that's a, <laughs> very quite easily. All you need is the right person who is susceptible and you know, quite easily shaped and, and influenced to the point where um, they do these these sort of crazy things. And don't forget, like Chapman himself, he did talk about these almost like schizophrenic uh, voices, the voice of God even during... I was just looking at that before we went live here, this whole business of how he was... Before he entered his plea of guilty... Yeah, yeah, it's claimed in the courtroom to have heard the, the voice of God uh, tell him that he was to enter a plea of guilty. So, uh, you know, but here's, an, you know, on top of this, he was part of a CIA cutout operation. Uh, people want to look into Chapman's background where he was uh, overseas for some time working as part of this this phony Christian charity relief organization which so many of these these outfits are of course and when i say cut out i mean that it was a front group basically for the cia uh what the hell it's it's still active to this day uh that's another item that jaybird you could track down with the right uh keyword search via DuckDuckGo was what i would encourage you or anyone else to do Google is not really our friend. Uh, if if we can help it, we we try to be as as free and independent of them as possible. I know it's kind of tough here with the live streaming end of things, but that's just the way it goes. Sometimes uh, there's a lot more we could say about that. But you know, maybe it's best I kind of rest my voice for uh, a few minutes here, guys and girls, and let let. Uh, the rest of you take over. I'm sure the, you've got a few things you'd like to say regarding the Beatles and Lennon's legacy, of course. Just imagine if he would have lived to have been with us today and we could actually have celebrated with him uh, in person. You know, that, that I think he would have had such an impact on the world and people's consciousness to the point where he clearly already had um, and yet he remained a divisive figure because there are people out there, even to, to the present, uh, time where we currently find ourselves, 2020 living in the future folks. Uh, 
you know, people people had had their uh, had their issues with the guy. I hear some some somebody's rustling around there in the background. I'm not sure if that's Jaybird or uh, it might be Jaybird. Well, okay, we'll get you muted out there. It's okay. Take care of that here from this end, and uh, not really worry about it. So hopefully you can unmute yourself when when uh, when necessary. But I don't know, Larry. Do you want to tackle that one, or maybe maybe Jim? I'm just gonna, like I said, take a bit of a break. Maybe uh, see what we got happening over on uh, you know Facebook. I didn't get much of a chance to to share any links or content uh, via our groups. Unfortunately, is what I like to do. Nor Discord. So if I could take a few minutes to have a crack at that, that'd be really, really quite uh, wonderful. Much appreciated. Either of you guys want to jump in? Oh, hang on. There we go. Okay, go ahead. Go, go ahead, Larry. Oh, Jim can Jim can kick it off. Are you there, Jim? Yeah, I'm here, but I was going to say, go ahead, buddy. Handle it. Oh, I'm here for backup. So I, I think... You know, one of the things that intrigued me was really the kind of battle, quote-unquote, between the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. So every time the Beatles would put out an album at a certain point in their, you know, uh, in their repertoire, the uh, Rolling Stones would put out an album to, like, kind of mimic and, and just... And it was like the Beatles were selling love, you know. It was like all you need is love. That was a John Lennon song. And uh, I don't know that the Rolling Stones were selling like, uh, you know, what you, what do you do when you get kicked to the curb by these women, or, or you know, like they, you know, put out songs like Under My Thumb and uh, and uh, you know. Uh, don't want to be your beast of burden, um, you know. So the Stones were, <laughs> the Stones were kind of jabbing at the Beatles, um, back and forth. Um, the Beatles put out a white album, and um, the Stones put out a white album, but it was called Beggar's Banquet. Um, so it was kind of interesting. The uh, thing I loved about John Lennon, I think, was his honesty and his music. I mean, especially in his lyrics. Um, you know, I was thinking of uh, um, the song he did, uh, uh, No Reply, um, you know, and uh, it's happened once before, you know, when I, I saw through your door, um, you know, you were there, and they said it wasn't you, but I saw you peek through your window. I saw the light, you know. That's, like, amazing, you know, kind of boyfriend-girlfriend kind of tunes and lyrics that, you know, young people in those days, um, they really didn't know, like, how to approach each other, boyfriend and girlfriend, and the Beatles, the Beatles kind of gave us that, you know. Um, and, you know, the music was so, like, uh, I don't know, <clears throat> innocuous over time. 
And it even became children's music. I mean, parents play the Beatles for their kids. So, uh, you know, cuckoo, cuckoo. <laughs> uh, I am a walrus. But then in his solo albums, he, he stripped everything down. It was like uh, piano and guitar, and most of it was acoustic. Um, and, you know, he did songs like Mother. Mother, you had me, but I didn't have you, you know. Uh, which was, you know, his, uh, I guess, tip of the hat to Freud. Um, but it also led into, like, this primal scream at the end of the song. So he had gone through primal scream therapy, and a bunch of us crazy people, you know, went through uh, same kind of primal scream therapy. Some of those crazier people did it on LSD. Um it's interesting that Bob Dylan said that John Lennon was the first one that gave him a joint and turned him on to pot. So the Beatles turned uh, Bob Dylan on to marijuana. No, no, you got that backwards, Larry. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, maybe it was Bob Dylan that turned, the, turned John Correct. Lennon on. Correct. Here's, and I'll tell you the story. Here's the deal. They met, it was a, during one of their first tours, I guess, in New York. Yeah. 64, I think, if to approximately 65, maybe at the latest. And uh, uh, what was it? Oh, God. Why, why is this song not coming to me? I can't hide. I can't hide. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you something. I guess it's I want to hold your hand. Right. I can't hide. I can't hide. But Dylan's listened to it. He's like giving them the, the dope and, and the, the weed. And uh, oh. joint, and they were kind of like a little bit taken aback because even though they'd done a lot of pills, uppers, methamphetamines, the yeah. same sort of things that the G German, the Nazis had flown on, or just as soldiers through World War Two. It's it's it uh, starts with a P, Petrovin, something along those lines. It was I think it was they were like little pill, like poppers, that the yeah, popular so in the West during the Beat Generation. I mean Kerouac and those guys. Ginsburg, yeah. uh, they were Burroughs, they were doing those things like they were going out of style, I guess. So, anyways, okay. but so they were because the Hamburg was where they came out of, right? Like the Beatles spent a lot of time in Hamburg, like a good what mm -hmm. year or two, and they really had their eyes open to a lot of things there that they had not okay. seen in Liverpool. I know you're talking about the innocence of, of uh, you hit on a great point there the way that with, with young teenage. Uh, people, how they're able to relate to one another, all those crazy hormones bouncing around and so forth. But uh, they had weed. They thought was a really kind of like like heroin or something. They had in their mind this is a total reefer madness sort of mentality. They hadn't seen any of that really at all in Hamburg. Amazingly, so you know Ringo. Well, here's the thing: is is that with I want to hold your hand, he, Dylan's like, what? You guys got a, a problem with this? Like, what about your song that I want to hold your hand? I I get high, I get high, I get high. You know, that's what he thought they were saying. It's I get high, I get high. Uh, you know, it's when it's really I can't hide. So uh, it just goes to show how lyrics can be misheard. Ringo apparently was the first Beatle, though, who said, oh, hell, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Dylan, of course, is telling them, ah, it's not going to kill you, man. It'll, it'll give you a, a good buzz, and you'll you'll feel great. So, uh, 
and that and the, yeah, that was and this everything from there is is history. Of course, they went and then and, and uh, were sure to. Uh, they got the the wet towels. I'm not sure how. I guess people that have done this in the past, you, you don't want the smell to to sneak or sift out, find its way, you know, creeping out into the hallways, uh, any potential narks or, or you know whatever uh, on the prowl outside. But they would get these wet towels and just like, stuff them along the the bottom of the of the doors so that uh, could be avoided. And, uh, yeah, the rest is history, man. They had a great time, I guess, and there you go. So that's my understanding. But sorry for jumping in there, Larry. I had to just, uh, I had to uh, set the record straight. So I'm pretty sure. I'm, you know, I'm glad yeah. you did. You filled out the whole story for me. I really appreciate that, Jeremy. I'll let Jim have the ball for, for a minute. Jim's got, he's got <laughs> well, the talking stick. Been... Talking stick. <clears throat> I just finished partaking in a little bit of a, <clears throat> what we were just talking about. Some of Bob Dylan, you're smoking some of Bob Dylan's weed? Well, not Bob Dylan's, but, uh, this particular strain is called uh, <coughs> Wicked Stepmother. So that's perfect. Yeah, with, speaking of Yoko Ono. <laughs> <laughs> Wicked Stepmother. It suits the moment. And, uh, Mother. It, it's quite, quite a kicker. Um, yeah, I've grown up watching the cartoon. I don't know how many of you have seen it. I mean, I'm, be, I'm 60, so I'm probably older than a lot of our audience. But uh, Ringo was always made out to be a complete goof in the cartoons. Um, and I always, I always thought, you know, why did he agree to that? I mean, yeah, I know each one has their little role to play, but he, he agreed to play just the total doofus and... He's actually a very talented musician. So I mean, that this, uh, I don't know. Even in their movies, he was kind of the off-kelter one, I guess you might say. And I just, I don't know. I, I, there's a little weird things like that. The cartoon was good, though. They played a lot of their music and... Uh, they played Hard Day's Night a lot, it seemed. But I couldn't tell you who wrote which songs. I know that between George Harrison and John Lennon, Ringo wrote a few. Yeah, I, I never, I liked their music, but not enough to, you know, my brothers had the album, so I never owned any. And never thought about once you get older and stuff well then you know like my music collection is basically vacant of a lot of the stuff my older siblings had because I never bothered to get a copy for myself you think about things like that as you get older it's a little late though by then <laughs> well actually you can't like... go ahead 
I was a little girl when he was murdered, so I wasn't even older than two. So um, Ringo was my favorite. My my dad listened to the Beatles a lot. That was his like favorite uh, music, and my mom made him get rid of it because it wasn't uh, religious. Um, but I uh, started listening to um, the Beatles when I was old enough to start researching what my dad used to listen to. Uh, Ringo was my favorite mainly because of the uh, the eye opening of the that. Uh, caveman movie i forgot to look up what the name it was but my own kids um well my son watched it during chemo that was one of his favorite movies that song that ringo danced and sang to around the campfire was uh constantly in my house uh can't tell you how many times we watched that movie with ringo because of that song that's my experience with uh with the beatles Uh, very cool. Hey, listen, we're going to queue up a song, actually, that a good friend of ours, Johnny Canuck, penned a number of years ago. We'll get everyone to mute out. Uh, if you want to listen to it, you can check it out via YouTube, but make sure you are muted. And uh, it's called Walking on Thin Ice. It's one that he, I guess, tried to... have made more more public um to, you know so that people could could hear it of course and uh i don't know if it's if it's if it's actually managed to reach the likes of either yoko julian or sean um unfortunately cynthia john's first wife passed away just a number of years ago but it's a it's a demo it's an indie demo that that johnny put together and recorded a number of years back he's got a video for it up on vimeo as well too which people might want to check out we'll be sure to add that link to the show description area after we wrap things up along with of course what people are able to access up on bit shoot but uh yeah it's it's well worth listening to i would say and it's we've, we've chosen to uh to share it with with folks out there this week thought that it would be appropriate so check it out let us know what you think on the flip side walking on thin ice. Coming up for air, waiting to 
these people left him alone There we go, Walking on Thin Ice, a tribute written by Johnny Canuck a number of years back. Um, something, you know, we should get him on the show actually at some point here in the future if we can manage to book him. I know he's pretty busy touring out there. Usually the, the western part of Canada is where he tends to... Uh, spend most of his his time hitting the the summer festival circuit as it is but uh you know it'd be great to reconnect with him and uh see what he has to say regarding these these little indie demos that he puts together from time to time uh i don't know if anyone here on board right now had a chance to hear the song hopefully people listening did appreciate uh the effort of course so i think a little more could be done as far as polish is concerned you know what he did tell me about the tune though is that in his mind's eye he did envision elton john covering it he hears for some reason he can clearly hear elton john doing a wicked version of the tune i think listening to it myself i can see where he's coming from and that uh it could very well stand to be if if sir elton was to embark on this uh this journey take the task upon him that it could very well end up being even a more i think powerful uh musical production than candle in the wind Mostly because he knew, you know, he knew Princess Diana personally, but he he knew John quite well, too, from what I understand. They even uh, performed together back in, what was it, 1974. Whatever gets you through the night, all right, all right. And what else did they do? Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. I don't know. Did anyone else hear the, the, the concert that he and Elton performed at, I guess it was Madison Square Gardens, 1974. I'm not sure what was what was on tap that night musically, other than the few tunes that I just mentioned. Um, but yeah, they had quite the quite the history, and I think Elton would do a a pretty pretty damn decent rendition of uh, of what uh, the songwriter. Johnny Canuck has uh, has recorded f for us, and we just, of course, had that chance to to listen to and to hear "Walking on Thin Ice," which, uh, for any Beatles fans, people that have followed the John Lennon story, will know that that just so happens to be the song that he had 
in his on his person in his jacket at the very time of his uh, assassination when he was shot uh, by Chapman. The tapes fell out of his jacket and I guess, you know, uh, it's kind of scattered about on the ground. So it turned out that Yoko did quite, quite, uh, you know, the tune itself turned out to be quite popular. There was a various number of dance mixes and the like. So if you listen to it, it really is quite haunting. Um, John, at the time working together with Yoko too, did recognize that he, you know, because of his ear, he knew what songs worked and, and what did not, you know, quite, quite often, more often than not, presumably. But he did, from what I understand, say to her that uh, this, the song was going to be quite successful for her, as it, as it indeed did you know, turn out to be. There's more I'd like to say, actually, about his relationship with Yoko in the final days, too. There's a little that was mentioned earlier regarding how, uh, well, she did not like him even ordering and eating cheeseburgers. So when he got together with the guys in the studio, though, you know, he he did everything he could to keep this, the fact that they were ordering, you know, uh, fast food, uh, have that concealed from from mother who presumably would lecture him and uh you know guilt trip him the whole business of eating cheeseburgers and rather than uh i guess you know sushi so uh uh there's also interesting too this 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 there's a hypnotism session that after speaking of you know Darren Brown hypnotism people who are quite easily susceptible to such things and those who are not, that's how the story goes at least, that uh, John, when o- Yoko and he, the two of them, decided that he would be coming back from May Pang, in fact, that was the pretext that, uh, you know, come on back and, uh, you know, got this great hypnotist here for you who will help you stop smoking. So apparently that's what she did. She had this person on board who it was exactly. I'm I'm not 100% sure. I don't know if that information is out there or not. But uh he he from all accounts and indications was indeed hypnotized, but not in the sense that he had necessarily been led to believe would be the case. So uh, there's some speculation that, that Yoko used this for more nefarious means, unfortunately. Um, you know, who knows exactly? Uh, there was no doubt that she did have a certain power over him, but at the same time, around this period, right at the you know, end of his life, that he was talking with the guys in the studio and presumably others that he was not overly pleased with 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 mother uh, and was wanting to perhaps break free from her and go his, his own way. So uh, 
that's definitely something worth taking into consideration, along with the fact that it just so happened that when he was shot and killed, she was not with him. Uh, he was trailing behind her by uh, about a minute or so, you know, 100, 100 meters, 75 meters. She was, she was, they were not together hand in hand. Uh, that was not the case whatsoever. So uh, just one of those coincidences, again, or or not. Uh, another really kind of mean thing that she did was had him cremated, supposedly, his, his body, right after he died, uh, was killed. And he, it was something that he did not want to, to do, actually. Um, I'll say for the record right now that I, I'd be happy, you know, I really would prefer to be cremated, look upon this, this, this body as just a, as a vessel, a vehicle for, uh, well, I mean, you know, spirit needs to uh, materialize, obviously. Um, it's the material realm we're, we're dealing with here and, and needs to manifest in some way. So we take on a, a body, take on some form that we can abide within and, and work with to uh to what ends i'm i'm not really too sure other than maybe you know liberation from the wheel of rebirth john himself very of course spiritual person inquisitive philosophical and uh you no doubt he was a seeker so but um yeah, why she had him cremated is beyond me. She also hooked up real soon after his death with someone who was a bit of an insider at the Dakota, someone that she'd perhaps been sleeping with for a while on the side. This kind of a, had a relationship with, uh, I, his name escapes me, but he was, you know, people that are more hardcore fans can easily you know, get to the bottom of this information if they so choose. Just to let people know, we have finally managed to get a few links out to Facebook here, a few John Lennon groups as well, too, and Beatles. So we'll see where that where that takes us, if we manage to pick up any more traction here or not. But uh, this stream, show number 203 of Pi Radio Podcasts, uh, pretty much uh, improvised in the wake of this really wasn't a cancellation so much as we got, uh, I think the expression stood up <laughs> by our, the guests that we had booked, unfortunately. Now, he might be having some personal issues. Uh, sometimes people clearly forget. Not sure what his, the deal is there with Corbin. Uh, Corbin God Bout out of Eastern Canada. It's, it's unfortunate, though. He himself... Uh, a fellow musician was, you know, looking forward to having a conversation with the guy. So uh, we'll see here. Hopefully, eventually manage to get to the bottom of things. He came to us via just a mutual friend, as I recall, and uh, was simply someone who it had been suggested we get in touch with or that reach out and contact us. So uh, I think it was more the latter than anything, actually, that 
his his friend had wanted him to uh to drop by and be a part of uh of the Friday night feature end of things but happy that we have managed to have this conversation of course uh, almost the bottom of the hour as far as recording time is concerned nearly 90 minutes not quite so we are entering the final stretch of the live stream as it is uh like to thank everyone for dropping by of course and participating in this week's live stream i don't think we've gotten to these these shout outs here although uh you know now up to a, not quite a dozen people altogether who are curious as to see where things might go conversation wise um some folks not logged in to the youtube chat but we do have the global enlightenment radio network barbecue jim dana shiver joey boomer johnny canuck uh, jaybird wells on the fence with music jennifer knight check this out it was a journalist that introduced bob to the beatles when he offered the weed al arnowitz yeah that's right 64 correct there we go thank you for uh, that fact checking as it as it were jennifer now she was a piece of work says tulips and roses poor julian too mm, hey good day from australia mate it's uh what do they say they don't australians they uh, how's it no they don't say how's it going how you how you going how you going <laughs> how's it going you know how are things so hey great to make your virtual acquaintance but uh there we go i'm not sure what more else there is to say other than it is a milestone the buddha himself only lived to be 80 years although i mean why I mean, say only uh it's a, it's a you know a great milestone and i think if i could myself live to that age it would be quite something that people are lucky to make it to that point although in the west even here in korea uh the average age of those you know people who pass away both men and women is the as last time i checked the uh information that i was presented to me it uh it read something in the neighborhood of 80 82 maybe 83 i guess it all depends on what kind of trouble you find yourself getting into health wise or uh or anything else of course so do your best to steer clear of trouble uh, not something that Lenin himself was overly adverse to, because as we all know, he uh, he was a passionate individual, a principled person. It could be quite stubborn at times. Really uh, dig his heels in when when necessary, of course. But uh, maybe for the right reasons, though, too. Let's not forget. And uh, there's no doubt that he really had mellowed. You know, becoming a father, he was even you know had becoming more responsible i think working on on developing more of a relationship with julian and of course very happy to have sean on board so you know but what's done is done 
the, the memory lives on. The music will always be with us. It'll be with us for uh, as long as we're here and, and probably quite some time even after that. So, you know, it, it's great that people like him and others come along, do what they can to leave their best mark. I guess he was a leader in some ways and, and a role model, even though he didn't necessarily like that uh, that role or that title. Uh, it's <laughs> some people, uh, you know, what, what did Shakespeare say about how with with greatness, the way the, some people are born into it, some people strive to achieve it. And others, simply, they find find it having uh, been thrust upon them, this business of greatness. So, uh, I don't know. I think it was probably, could be a combination of all three with Lenin. You know, he was born with that natural ability and talent. And he definitely did work to cultivate, striving to improve himself as a musician. Musical abilities, songwriting skills, honing those abilities, and then uh, you know you could call it destiny, if you will, uh, or just or karma. So I, I suppose it's really up to the individual what they're to make of things. That's great. He was with us for forty years, though. And uh, not a, not a member of the Twenty Seven Club, thank God, had uh, had the the pleasure of living another you know thirteen extra years. Very uh, you know prolific and creative during that period. Even once again, the so-called round it was about five lost years from seventy-five to eighty, seventy-four, seventy-nine. That, uh, once again, as we mentioned earlier, there may have been a lot of boozing and, you know, drugging and who knows what else going on. Uh, some haziness to the picture, uh, obviously, but at the same time, extremely productive, had those creative juices flowing and able to, uh, you know, to lay down a lot of demos and a lot of material that uh, I think he was, there's a famous, uh, there was a vacation that he had in Jamaica right shortly before he returned in either 79 or early 1980 and a lot of songwriting taking place there. And he was, he was pretty excited. He wanted to share that with Yoko. So, you know, it was really great. Double fantasy, see the two of them work together and and produce the the great it was a swan song i suppose is what you would call it really that uh you know it was a it was a high note that he managed to go out on but his life was cut short uh george harrison leaving us in I guess it was uh, 2001, if I'm not mistaken, cancer uh, claiming his life. 
right sh not so long after, within a year or two of that, what would have been another assassination, although he and his wife did manage to to fend off this crazed attacker, and they always seem to fit this uh this this mold they got this uh certain these certain features definitely crazed and who knows exactly what was going on what this guy could have been thinking but as i recall harrison and his wife olivia i believe her name is beat this attacker off not in any fun pleasurable type way either this is more serious stuff, folks. When it came to you know having you know people beating off or beaten off, that uh, pretty serious business. And uh, George was stabbed at least once or twice to the point where it nearly cost him his life. Unfortunately. It's something that I believe his son Danny and others around him, people that knew him well, uh, feel that really weakened him. He was already in a pretty rough state as it was, so yeah, it's just a, it's just a good thing that he and and uh, Olivia did manage to. It's amazing the way that this guy found himself able to, to slip by and evade security. I wonder if the, those I wonder how much longer the, the security uh, detail stayed uh, stayed on board or were part of the, the Harrison team. That's some definite explaining to do. So anyways, uh, the double double fantasy is the fifth album by John Lennon and Yoko Ono released in November 1980. This is a month right before his uh, murder on Gaffin Records, of all things. David Gaffin. Interesting. Quite the interesting character he is. Uh, produced by Lennon, Ono, and Jack Douglas. It was the seventh and final studio album released by Lennon during his lifetime. The album marked Lennon's return to recording music full-time, following his five-year hiatus to raise his son, Sean. So there we go. Just looking for a bit, some of the, the track listing. Uh, if we can, we can find what we got going on here, exactly as far as tunes are concerned. And uh, pretty much once we do this, we're going to take things home here. One final Shout out to our listening audience, of course. Just like Starting Over. Yes, let's not forget that one. Starting Over. Uh, beautiful Boy. Watching the Wheels. Woman. Hmm. Dear Yoko. Those are the tunes that definitely uh, stand out. I'm, I'm losing you. Isn't that something? I'm losing you. So, there we go. All right. We'll leave the rest up to audience members what 
they would like to do uh, as far as further research or investigation of this whole business of whether or not his assassination was an inside job, something where Mark David Chapman would indeed fall into the category of a Manchurian-type candidate killer, mind-controlled. Uh, you know, it's interesting, one of the first things that he did after shooting him he was supposedly asked by a doorman, Per Dormo, whose identity, get this, folks, the fact that Per Dormo was there, who he was, his identity and the like, uh, it was not reported on by mainstream media for at least the next seven years. Not a peep, not a mention regarding Operation 40, Bay of Pigs, anything along those lines nor the fact, allegedly, that he and Chapman had spent a lot of the day hanging out, spending time together, just shooting the breeze regarding uh, Cuba, the Bay of Pigs, the Kennedy assassination, and the like. So, but, uh, all right. I think we've pretty much reached the end of the road. Big shout-out. Two folks who did tune in. We did just get an approval for a post in another Beatles group, so that's great. The Beatles here, there, and everywhere. We'll have to uh, follow up on things here as well, too, when we get the bit shoot item in place. Be sure to uh, to add that to the links that have been uh, have been given the green light here by the the admins as it were so any final thoughts closing comments things that you would like to uh share with our listeners reverend jim pirate larry uh princess jaybird wells you're all welcome to uh step up to the mic thanks for having me it was a blast and happy birthday john lennon what's your favorite beatles tune or john lennon solo work anything that comes to mind yeah, I was looking at the list and I couldn't decide because they're all good. Yeah, I could listen to his uh, his music all day. Although I do like to mix things up with other folks as well too, typically. But to really study and appreciate his music, I don't know, Jaybird, if you if you have any idea as to how music theory works, the structure of songs, chord changes. Uh, arrangement and the like but um i think that w with that you know being the case that people are able to gain a deeper appreciation and respect for these the composers you know who do uh manage to produce tunes ditties ballads you know jigs whatever the case may be right so i know some people don't know that different sounds affect different I mean, it's like it just like different smells affect memories different sounds affect memories and not only that but different sounds also um bring out different emotions in people and so that's a, probably the biggest thing of basic music theory is that you know 
you want to pick sounds that um, emanate what you're trying to put in the music. You don't want to you don't want to sing um, a sad song to Happy Birthday unless it's the Drudge uh, fun punny Happy Birthday song. But for the most part, um, different sounds affect people's emotions. That's a great point. Yeah, absolutely. So, really, really great point, and uh, well put. So you're, you know, so right that the lyrics really it is important for the the melody and the lyrics to complement one another, and the, the the music managing to to become one. I suppose that's what makes. That's what makes uh, these tunes more genuine and authentic. Uh, yeah, so it would say. But I, I will say this. Mm -hmm. Do you know how fun it is to sing for um, um, Alihueta to your parrot? Hilarious! Yeah. Now you and you have a parrot too, don't you? I have two parrots. Well, you totally qualify as a pirate lady. Then there's no doubt about that. <laughs> You're, yeah, there's no no doubt. Arr. Yeah, you totally qualify. So, and it, speaking of which, etymology and the like, you know, parrot and pirate. Why are those two words so closely linked? You know, there's something funny going on there. From the, I have lit, yet to track down the the etymological, the history, the possible potential origins of that word. But I'm pretty confident there's something going on there. There's a reason, and you know, I mean, what do you typically see? In, in depicted in movies and the like, who what kind of you know these birds that are perched on the pirates' shoulders? They're they're pirates or parrots perched on the pirate's shoulder. Almost inevitably, you don't see a raven or a crow or or a canary. Uh, it could be a canary, I suppose, if you really wanted to. But the the parrot. So and they're they're really great at. Uh, coming up with all kinds of uh, improv and, and uh, mimicry, which well, John Lennon, I mean, you talk about just to bring things around kind of full circle. That was one of his, wordplay was one of his great uh, fascinations and interests. That's what helped to keep him inspired and writing music, is, is my impression, you know. So satire, parody. He was a big fan of Lewis Carroll. That's a well-known fact, Jabberwocky and, and the like. But you're going to say something? Um, all you said was that parrots do mimicry, and there's actually different breeds that are smarter than the others that um, they uh, have some of the same intelligence as a human toddler. Um, I've got two different parrots. I've got an Amazon Blue Front and then I've got a yellow crayon, and I'm not for certain, but I think the yellow crayon is dumber than the um, blue front on average. Um, but my blue front, he knows so much English, and he will not say it in front of strangers. The cartoons are correct. Um, and then he'll he'll say a phrase at the perfect timing. Like he told the horse, God bless you, after it sneezed twice. And we have never heard him say that phrase ever again. It was only when that horse sneezed. So he knows stuff, but he won't say it. 
unless he wants to. So the, now the yellow Amazon, he they're the yellow crayon. He's more into a singing and whistling, but he can say the word hello better than the uh, blue for Amazon. It, it's amazing what they know and what they uh, don't let on that they know. And one of the things about parrots is they will adapt to different languages. So um, they actually have different dialects in their in their native area, depending on which family they're from. Now, so you stick an Amazon with a, an American English speaking, and they'll they'll pick up English. You stick them with Spanish, they'll pick up Spanish. So they pick up the language. They're very good learners, but they don't understand why you're arguing about politics. But they get the general toddler um, understanding. I could go on and on about parrots. Sorry. Yeah, I'm just trying to think how we can bring this around full circle to uh, John Lennon. Uh, maybe, I don't know if he ever had a parrot or if he ever, he ever dreamed of, of being a pirate. His father was a seaman and a bit of a... Uh, he abandoned John as a, very, as a very young child. So they did not end up having the best relationship when, when father returned uh, following his son's, you know, rise to fame, as it were, uh, seeking some form of reconciliation, perhaps, or what have you. Freddie Lennon, yeah. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he was just a, yeah, just a no good for nothing. I, I shouldn't really say that's maybe a little too much, but he really, uh, you know, that's, why do you abandon your child like that, even if you are heading off to sea? that and your wife too uh for that matter so which uh geez you know i'm just trying to uh, what was what was john's his mother's name he he did the song he wrote that song about her for crying out loud it's like cynthia no julia oh, was it julia yeah it was julia 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 lennon so and she was a real musical talent so with you know banjo and all kinds of different instruments. So, and she was she was struck down early in life, killed by a drunk driver who just happened to be a cop, apparently, uh, driving, barreling down the road out of control, you know, under the influence of the worst drug, one of the worst drugs that's out there and legal too. Let's not forget alcohol. So, but no, as uh, Pirate Larry mentioned earlier, he definitely had some mother issues. Uh, this whole business of the, I think it was called Rolfing, the uh, the primal scream therapy that he underwent. He was, you know, open to things like that. And it makes sense with the hypnotism business, as we mentioned earlier, he would be all for that, and uh, which would leave him in a pretty vulnerable place. As to what was one of the issues that we brought up with the hypnotist who we had on board just a month or so ago, and, uh, you know, in closing, I'm not sure what kind of real sense of humor the guy had, <laughs> but we did save some of the, the tougher questions for the end, as you typically do anytime you have someone on board, rather than just a kind of softball uh, approach to the conversation that, 
Yeah, I mean, we you know asked him. One of the things was was with, with two things: recording these hypnotism sessions, and then number two, having someone on uh, in attendance as a uh, like a witness of sorts, but just some someone who can to uh, to you know to be present to ensure that there's nothing untoward that uh, occurs because of uh, the stories that so many people, including myself, have heard over the years. And he was totally opposed to both of these things for whatever reason. Rec- didn't want any recording because he thought people, I guess, you know, his response was people are for, <laughs> still stuck in the, the uh, cassette generation where they're fumbling around with tape cassette recorders and the like not realizing that we've kind of you know things have come a long way since the 1980s people can digitally record i mean i have a handheld digital recorder that runs for you know several hours at least without any interruptions so that was his big concern that you'd be interrupted having to flip the tape over every 60 or 90 minutes or whatever the deal was so I'm not. It didn't really seem to hold water. Uh, not not from my way of seeing things, at least. And then having someone uh, in attendance uh, to as a, a witness or just someone that could be there, you know, as as just quietly sitting by, you know, the wayside or in attendance to to keep an eye on things. He didn't like that idea either, which, I mean, haven't we, most of us, I'm sure, have heard about how this is, these are basic requirements for hypnotism sessions. So both of these issues, though, he, he totally uh, thought were non-applicable and something that he was uh, completely opposed to. Oddly enough, so if this is the sort of hypnotist that Yoko had working for her at this particular time, uh, coaxing John to return and having him undergo these supposed uh, sessions t- to help him stop smoking, that when really it was a you know done for more alter- ulterior reasons, that could be a uh, that could have been a big problem, of course. So, anyways, uh, Pirate Larry and Reverend Jim, we'll let you have have your say here, of course, as we uh, sail on out of here. Tulips and roses, talking about how John will live on forever in our hearts. There's no doubt about that. On the fence with Musa. You're welcome as well, too. Tulips and roses. We our pleasure for doing this. Um, we're just glad that our guest flaked out, <laughs> and we had this opportunity to quite spontaneously put something together for the public. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how many John Lennon haters there are out there. Certainly, a fair share it seems. So we'll maybe hear from more of them in the comments section later, but. You know, for the most part, I mean, I'm the sort of person who uh, just like live and live and let live kind of deal. Paul McCartney, live and let die. Um, 
you know, we've all got our faults. Nobody's perfect. And uh, he was an artist expressing himself. So they ended up killing the messenger is what we what we saw there in the end. I'm not sure who do we have there, Larry or Jim? Go ahead. That's me. I was going to say, you know, may he rest in peace. And on that note, uh, we also lost Eddie Van Halen this week. And this year we've also lost Charlie Daniels, and I'm not sure who all else. But may they all rest in peace. And there must be one heck of a band up in heaven right now. Yeah, well, what comes around goes around. So, oh, <laughs> just passing through, man. We're all here to go. It's it's like life really is a dream. And John Lennon himself, I don't know where he got the nickname the Dreamer, but uh, that was a, that was a big part of his his lyrics and his music as well too. The dreamlike state, which life really is, if you take a close look at things, Shakespeare understood that. Uh, whoever wrote that was it probably a medieval almost uh, children's song. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Somebody they kind of uh, picked up on that as well there too. As did the Buddha. You know, Buddhism is all about this life experience being. Uh, something of a, an intangible, can't quite put your finger on it. Everything constantly changing from one moment to the next, whether we realize it or not, just slowly passing by, you know, the sands of time. So I guess, once again, just important to make the most of things while we're here and do our, uh, what we can to leave our best mark. Thank you both for your, your comments, Jim and Princess Jaybird Wells. Uh, some real you know, quality items there. Last, lastly, we're going to hear from our good friend and pirate matey, if he's still on board, that is, and, and with us, which we presume he is, via Los Angeles, California. Yeah. L pirate Larry. Thank you. Uh, you know, my favorite John Lennon song is Across the Universe. Um, I'll always love John Lennon. Um, the uh, first two albums he made, you know, everybody should listen to um, because they're really raw and uh, he's really, you know, kind of stripped everything down to the bone, his ego down to the bone, which I think he had to do because, you know, most of his life he spent being just a Beatle. And he wanted to be John, you know, and uh, it was a different voice, and people were mad that they broke up, and you know, blaming this and that. So there was a lot of controversy, but um, John was a healer. He healed people. Um, his lyrics were healing, and uh, I'll always love him. There'll always be a place in my heart, you know, for John Lennon. Dana Shiver, Johnny Canuck, Rob. Umferville. Sorry about that, Rob. We missed your comment. He uh, was talking about being here from Canada. My favorite is Paul, but I cried when I heard 
John was shot because he's a Beatles fan since 1976. He misses John. Happy birthday. All right. Well, that's great. So appreciate you dropping by. Uh, geez, we're always wanting to give a shout out to everyone who participates in the, the live chat here. Apologies if we, we miss out in, in doing so. But we very much appreciate your contributions and look forward to the next time we can meet out here in, in virtual time and space, which hopefully will be coming up later this week, this coming Tuesday. We're going to work on getting a few of the, the kinks worked out as far as the live streaming is concerned, although I do think that this new setup has... Uh, by all accounts and indications, it's it's gone relatively well. Uh, we had a bit of a, a hiccup there at, from the get-go, but thankfully managed to bounce back and get things uh, more properly on course, as it were. So one more time, Barbecue Gym Global Enlightenment Radio Network. Hey, that's Daryl, let's not forget. So uh, both Reverend Jim and Daryl, courtesy of the Global Enlightenment Radio Network, uh, are they're two of our syndicators, so we very much appreciate their support. And speaking of Global Enlightenment, I think that's really, you know, a lot of people, they, they bash and attack, criticize John for his New World Order propaganda song, Imagine. Uh, and even as much as I do have a problem with the whole new world order crowd and mentality when it comes right down to it their agenda as it were the clergy plan and so forth that i dig the song man just like i dig bob marley music even though it's like this you know a lot of iron lion zion <laughs> you know that's just the way things are but uh great tunes nonetheless and appreciate the work that both of uh these great artists did manage to produce over the years another another individual uh marley which is i mean talk about geez we could have done the show just a couple months ago covering his 75th uh birthday his 75th year lennon once again had been down in jamaica right around 1979 I don't know. I don't think I've ever heard of the two actually having a chance to meet. Reggae was just coming to the fore at that time, and so something that John was uh, getting into a little more, really digging the sort of uh, the feeling, the vibe, as it were, the the spirit of, of reggae. So that would have been something that the two would have had the chance to collaborate but another calculated potential hit an assassination bob marley and his toe becoming infected with the cancer apparently he was gifted a pair of i'm not sure if they were boots or they were soccer soccer shoes of some kind is what it might have been and by who of all people the head of the CIA's, William Colby at that time, his son is the person who is said to have gifted these shoes to 
Marley, uh, on his, I believe it was birthday, right around the time of the big concert they had in Kingston, where Marley was doing what he could to bring peace to the parties who found themselves divided uh, politically. Already he, I mean, this is just within days of him, you know, another calculated uh, hit, an attempt to murder Marley. Bullets flying everywhere, but, you know, for whatever reason, Jaw giving him the kind of protection which, you know, ensured that he would be with us at least a, a couple more years. Uh, but the boots that he received, the, the soccer shoes, it just so happens that when he put them on, it was his left or right toe, might have been his right, that there, ha- there was a wire, this wire that there was that he, you know, his toe jabbed into, and uh, poked poked into his toe, penetrated the skin, and from that point, um, that's where the cancer started. It was in his toe, same foot, I believe. So, uh, is this a coincidence once again, or is there some cold calculation? Uh, if you'll excuse the pun, a foot. Uh, cold calculation on the part of some very dark and nefarious powers. We won't get into that any further here, this go-around. you have to drop by for one of our future upcoming shows to see where we take things here content-wise. In the meantime, thank you so much once again Appreciate your support as always. Be sure to share, like, comment, subscribe, and hit the notification button wherever possible. We're always looking for, with this volunteeristic, uh, mutual, you know, it's mutually beneficial network that we are working on endlessly building and evolving. So if you have anything to bring to the table, a few hours per month of at at the most really with something that you can donate to us as far as your time is concerned and you have certain particular set of skills whether on a technical or creative front maybe marketing is your thing by all means reach out to us get in touch pirate one radio at protonmail.com that's the way to do it. WPRPN.com is the main website. All of the other links, the most that we have available, the most uh, prominent ones at least are down there as well in the show description area. Who else did we not give a shout out to here? Dana Shiver, Joey Boomer. You know, there's a couple of these folks here dropping in for just the, the one comment or two. Rob from out of Canada. Thank you once again, Jaybird Wells, Jennifer Knight, Tulips and Roses. Oh boy, how are, are they wrapping things up here? So uh, check out Sean Lennon's performance of Isolation, which he has posted. That's right, yeah. He was in prison for a while too. Who are we talking about there exactly? Lennon? I don't think he was ever in prison. He might have been thrown in a drunk tank one night out there in, in Holly, you know, Holly weird. But uh, 
John did say in 1980 that his thinking since Imagine had changed since he'd matured by then. He was a work in progress. There's no doubt about that. Doing his best to keep up with and, and move with the times. I think, once again, people listen to Double Fantasy. They'll see that uh, he was managing, you know, succeeding in doing that. Although the, the writing uh, and staying at the top of his field in what is really just such a, uh, you know, incredibly competitive uh, line of work to be in, songwriting, and, and a performer as well, too, that uh, it, it did bring him a lot of stress. So something that he, he fretted about constantly. Uh, you know, was that pun intended or not? I don't know. It just it just kind of came out a lot of you know excessive uh, fretting on his part, but good practice too, right, John? So apparently he was starting to like Reagan. Well, who knows? You know, Neil Young voted for Reagan, didn't he? That's how the story goes. So maybe uh, maybe they were both down with the whole, you know. Uh, I'm with Ron type agenda. Although, as I, I said earlier, I do strongly suspect, might be wrong, but there was a hidden, a dark hidden hand to his, his murder and assassination. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised in the least, once again, if, if Skull and Bones, Bush 41, had uh, had a role in things. Uh, just as what so many have, uh, you know, speculated was the case regarding the this John Hinckley Manchurian candidate, as well too, who nearly, you know, managed to successfully uh, take Reagan right out of the picture the following year. So there we go. Well, we do have to run. It's been a great ride. I wish we had more to offer you this particular moment. Hopefully, remember, we'll uh, add the link to uh, Johnny Canucks Walking on Thin Ice tribute song. Get that in the show notes. People have a chance to check it out. Be sure to share that as well, too. It is just an indie demo, of course. Is it going to be possible to get it to Elton John? I believe Johnny actually sent it to him via Twitter. Of course, heard nothing back. <laughs> sent it to him uh, to, uh, via Twitter a number of years ago, if I got my facts straight, and uh, suggesting at that time that it might make for a decent you know, song for Sir Elton to perhaps consider covering, simply because uh, it just it seemed to suit everything. Uh, the style that 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 uh, that Elton, similar to what he managed to put together with "Candle in the Wind," that great uh, tribute song, and via piano and so forth. But there we go. All things must pass. We've pretty much hit the end of the road here, folks. Thank you so much once again. On behalf of Captain Long John St. Clair. And all the rest of the crew here aboard the Robin Hood. Until we meet again out on the high digital seas, I'm your host as always, 
the show's chief communications officer, Jaffe Ryder. Eighty years, and John's memory still lives on with us, as does his music. That's going to be the case, of course, here for the longest time. Happy sailing, everybody. I know. There we be. Having carefully looked over each of our navigation panel instruments, checking every level, switch, dial, cable, knob, and pulley, by all accounts and indications, we indeed see it's time once again to drop anchor inside Mystic Bay, draw an end to yet another week of World Pirate Radio Live. Remember, if you're looking for a little more animated online action, keep in mind we've likely got yet another great free-flowing rogues gallery after show coming up for the next hour in one of our more premium exclusive and remote digital underground online pirate hideaways also if you yourself have a new novel intriguing or otherwise underreported idea unique individual or pressing item in mind be sure to either drop us a line directly over on WPRPN.com or fire us a quick email via Pirate One Radio at ProtonMail.com. We're always open to exploring fresh creative suggestions, intriguing guest ideas, cutting-edge discussion topics, and captivating themes. Remember... WPRPN.com member site subdomain links are also always available. Great for artists, musicians, podcasters, bloggers, social media personalities, or pretty much just any old land lover looking to boost their online visibility, presence, and reach. Basic personal profile accounts can be launched for just $60 per year. Staking your claim now helps not only strengthen you and the network, we're also looking out for the little guy. That's right, folks. As much as half of all WPRPN's profits are redirected right back into the hands of the people who really need it most. Community charity. After all, we are the Robin Hood. You can further embark on your own personal pirate journey by either liking, sharing, commenting on, subscribing to, or just following us via virtually any mainstream social media platform, including Twitter, Facebook, Gab, or Minds.com. So don't forget to become engaged until we meet again out on the high digital seas. I'm your host as always. The ship's chief communications officer, Jaffe Ryder. Tally ho.